Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 148 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes with me. We thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And if you have not already, please take a second while you're listening to subscribe to the pod. And while you're there, if you could please leave us some star power and a written review, help us get our name out there and our content to reach more people. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys that the show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Football is still in full swing, and you can take advantage of great deals from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more places to wager than any place online. And you can also get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag to sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Porter, we've made it through our grueling, arguably the toughest schedule in the history of college football, SEC schedule. I was concerned personally just because of the schedule on the back end, um, especially having Alabama there. I like the fact that we got – if we were going to draw Florida and Georgia, we got Georgia in the first game and looked pretty good against them. Actually looked really good in the first half. But you look at this, the Razorbacks lose their final four games, Florida, LSU, Missouri, and Alabama. In the last two games, you give up 102 points. Just a – I really am – I don't want to say disappointing finish to the season because it's not that – they didn't play hard. Um, we said that we all said that the main thing that we want to see is just guys that want to be there, that want to be on the field, that don't act like they want to be somewhere else, like the, like what we saw the past two years. And I, I really don't think that anybody can be disappointed with three wins when most of us thought it was going to be zero, one, or possibly two. No, you can't, man. This was the biggest fear I had. Just just from the fans' perspective of it, you know. When, when they won those three games and you get on this high, you think it's going to continue, but you got to realize this was a 10-game SEC schedule and you basically had one bye week. You know, you had one game that kind of had got messed with COVID. And now you're dealing with walk-ons. You're dealing with people that are second, third string walk-ons. And that grueling, you know, the lack of depth finally caught up. And then, you know, people started getting tape and seeing what Odom was doing and starting to prep, you know, so that, you know, you don't have the talent like a normal team does. And I think it finally, you know, the combination of other teams scheming on them and just the talent, the, the lack, of, lack of depth caught up to them. I mean, and you can't ask for a better performance than what these guys did. You know, uh, what they – if you really take a step back and you look at that roster and what they had on defense and what they got on offense and what you're dealing with with COVID and injuries and opt-outs and stuff, I mean – 
you, you can't be nothing but proud of them. And I got to say too, I, I've given him tons of credit through this season, but all off season long, I, I said that I was skeptical. I never said that I'm not happy with he, that he's on campus, but I was very skeptical of Felipe Franks. I was not quiet about that. Uh, I just wasn't quite sure that he was going to be able to get the job done just because there was so many times at Florida where he had much more talent than what he had. No disrespect to our team, but just it's a reality that he had more talent to work with at Florida. And I just don't feel that in most cases that he got the most out of that while he was there. And I just can't say enough about not just his performance, but his leadership. There was a lot of questions about his maturity while he was at Florida. I don't have a single question about that while he was at Arkansas. When he was on the sidelines, especially against Missouri. You saw him there drawing up on his notepad there, figuring out some things to scheme up for K.J. Jefferson in this offense. Last year, you would see whether it was Ben Hicks on the sideline, whether it was whether it was Nick Starkle. A lot of the times Ben Hicks was just standing there with his hands on his shoulder pads, just kind of looking in la-la land. I don't put all this on the players. I've said this before. I don't put all of that on the players. It was a lack of leadership from the coaches. You hardly saw the coaches talking to the players last year on the sidelines. So just right there, the culture that we saw, the way how everybody was involved in the game, if there was somebody that needed to come in, whether it was walk-on, scholarship player, freshman, senior, everybody, whether they were able to do it successfully or not, they were willing and they were ready to step up. And that's what we needed. And that's where I was kind of getting at last week. And I'm not trying to get into a coach of the year discussion, but I'm just bringing up, I kept talking about how I'm not discredited. I said that Eli Drinkwitz uh, should definitely be close to the top for consideration for coach of the year. And a lot of people came back when I had gotten this argument on Twitter saying that I was just, I wasn't giving enough credit to what Arkansas has done. I've given plenty of credit to what this coaching staff has done. And that's where I was getting at is, they didn't just get us a few wins, what the, what the culture that they instilled. They just they came in and they made these players believe. A lot of these guys were, were just beat down mentally. We, we had Anthony Lucas on before the Auburn game and dropped that pod, and he talked about how during Houston Nuts' first year that that's kind of how those guys were. They just needed a fresh start from the time under Danny Ford, and that's what these guys needed. And there wasn't lack of talent. There was just lack of depth, as we've preached so many different times. And I just think that, uh, you know, it was kind of funny, Porter, how last week everybody was saying extend Kendall Brawl, or a lot of people were saying extend Kendall Brawls. This offense looked great. This offensive line played amazing. KJ played great. And now it's back to just he can't call plays. Uh, I'm not going to call out the social media page on Facebook that consistently says that, but because uh, I'm not going to plug them. But um, it's a former Razorback, and I just I don't agree with it. Um, with how often it's just uh, it's just commonly called out, and I think Kendall Bryles did exactly not well. I don't want to say exactly because I, I was critical of his play calling sometimes. But I thought that Kendall Bryles, uh, just with what he was given, came up with a lot of good things this year and put this offense in good positions. Well, do you realize who they were playing yesterday? I mean, they're yeah. playing the number one team in the nation. All right. They've won all – so I've seen a stat. They've won all of their SEC games by 17 points or more. You know, it ain't like, you know, Arkansas was going against – you know, they were doing this against Mississippi State, Tennessee, or Ole Miss, or even LSU. I mean, they were going up against a buzzsaw. I mean, you got – they got freaking mo, uh, their linebacker, Mosley, back. You know, they got Mac Jones. They got, you know, Waddles out. They got Devontae Smith. They got – uh, the leading rusher in the nation with with touchdown 20. I mean, they ran into a juggernaut. 
you wasn't a nobody expected them to win. I mean, we thought that they would score more on offense because, you know, Alabama's defense and their secondary was kind of suspect. But, I mean, you can't go and come off a game like that when they're throttling Florida, they're throttling Georgia, they're throttling everybody they played. And, you know, it's just like if Arkansas plays, uh, who was it, Mississippi Valley State basketball, and they won by 50. You can't take that for all it's worth because of the team they were playing. Just like you, you it can't have it both ways. You know, you're playing against Alabama, the number one team in the nation, and you knew they were going to get throttled. I mean, you're going up against, and you're talking about Nick Saban, Sarkeesian, you know, their, their coaching staff. I mean, so it, it's kind of unfair that your you're last game of the season, you're, you're going through the grind, having to deal with all this stuff, and then guess what? Your last game, you got to get play against the number one team in the nation that is a, getting ready to go play against Florida in the SEC championship. They're not going to take it lightly. You know, Saban, you know, he brought up that rat poison stuff long ago. So just the negative stuff, you know, you know, it, you can't sit there and praise them when they won three games and talk about just how much progress this team's made. You know, they won three SEC games. And they went, you know, four and 20 overall the last five years. And then they start to decline. Now you want to jump ship. I mean, that's what irritates me the most. It's like you just you can't wait for them to be negative on them. You know, think about what this team could be in a couple of years when this team really gets a full couple of recruiting classes. You know, when this dead period finally goes away that we don't even know when it's going to be lifted. So you can't even talk to the people that you want to come in for next year. So there's just so many variables, and I wish they would just appreciate what they're doing. And it's almost like what I was talking about with the whole Rakeem Boyd situation. You don't think recruits are seeing this? You don't think that when they're deciding on a school that they don't see – how the fans are acting, how the media is acting. Like they don't, they're not going to come here if they've seen, well, they've done this progress and they're still getting hated on. You know, they're like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, and, and another thing that I wanted to talk about too is, is uh, you were talking about all those players. I wanted to backtrack to Alabama. I don't think that it was talked about enough about their offensive line. I mentioned it on Friday's show. This might be the greatest, and, and this is saying a lot, considering the players that, that Nick Saban has had, not just in his time at Alabama, but his overall career. This might be the best offensive line that he's ever had. Uh, there's been It's been talked about a couple of different times. I know Clay Henry from Hogs Illustrated was talking about on the morning rush on Thursday or Friday. It was talking about how probably four of these guys could be legit first-team All-Americans, but they're not going to be all on one team because they're just not going to put that many players. They're going to put four out of five on one team, so they'll be kind of spread out, you know, first, second team, whatever it may be. But that's that's a big part of what, they, what they're able to do. What is the common denominator of so many – of just about any great team? You play – Cabo mentioned it. I think it was on last Sunday's show. You typically play great special teams, which Alabama always does. Arkansas does not, as we saw again on Saturday. And you also have a great offensive line. You're great on the, the, uh, in the trenches. Both the offensive line that's the def- and the defensive line, that's what Sam Pittman tries to build his teams from the inside out. And so I think that, Al- that Arkansas's uh, defensive line overachieved for the most part this year. You look at the progress. Jonathan Marshall, one of the best defensive linemen in the SEC. We weren't very good against the run, but we did see some flashes, particularly early in the season when the defense was doing very well, of some really solid pass rushing. But – we are still really, really young on the defensive line, and I definitely think that I, that they could take a stride next season like we saw with the secondary this year. A lot of those secondary guys, we, we talked about this on the show a lot during the offseason, that these are guys on paper that 
that should be very, very good. The majority of them, they're four stars coming in. They were four stars coming into college. They just haven't been developed correctly. I mean, Jalen Catalan, I know, I think he actually was dealing with some more injury stuff last year. And then he had torn his ACL his senior year of high school. But you heard players mention about how he was just doing this type of stuff in practice all the time. And the coaching staff just still didn't use him, just like they didn't use a lot of players in the right way. And so I think you said it, Porter, is just we were not there yet. Nobody, really nobody expected us to be there. And please spare me with the, oh, we're setting the expectations too low. You just have to realistically understand where this team was. Sam Pittman was brought in. He was the perfect coach at the perfect time. We'll say it till we're blue in the face. No coach was just going to come in here and compete all of a sudden. Now, we were able to do that with the Mississippi States when we caught Ole Miss off guard, the way that we played against Tennessee and them having their quarterback struggles. So we were able to take advantage of stuff like that, but it is going to take another probably two recruiting classes before we get to where we're competing with the top two, three teams in the SEC. But I definitely think that this team can do it under Pittman. Well, and I just want to add on to, you know, we wanted this team to compete, you know, and this team was the laughing stock of the SEC last year. You know, now we're having people like Jalen Catalan, who is probably going to be an All-American. You got Grant Morgan. You got all these players that are being considered for SEC, all SEC honors. You know, everybody would complain, not really complain, but you know, you might have one or two guys on the second or third team preseason SEC. You know, you would never get these accolades. All right, now you got a head coach that with three wins is being considered. He probably won't get it, but just being considered for SEC coach of the year. You got Barry Odom, who is being considered for the Frank Burroughs Award. Grant Morgan is being considered for the Burroughs. You see where this is going. I mean, you're asking them just to be competitive and show progress. Now, you went from nothing being at the bottom. Now, in one year, you're being considered for all these awards and all these accolades. That right there means what that culture has done and where this is going. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that how much progress has been made and it's, I mean, other than the LSU game, how they, you know, miraculously beat Florida last night, but you could go the tail of two teams. I mean, look how much LSU's fallen. Well, that's how much Arkansas has progressed. And so if they keep it going and keep getting the recruits in, I mean, this team is going to be special here in the next couple of years. Definitely. And I, I mean, I know that Arkansas fans are extremely tired of hearing in a couple of years or next year, but that's just, that's the, the cards that we've been dealt. We had some ba- a bad string of luck under Bielema that led to a really, really bad high under, under Chad Morris. And we're, I guess, for lack of a better word or lack of a better phrase, we're reaping the benefits of that now, but I, it's, I don't see how you can't see how this program, I know that there's just always going to win. We talked about it a hundred times that there's going to be the negative naysayers. Like, you know, we posted the, which we, our next topic we're going to get into is Gus Malzon being let go from Auburn. But as soon as we share that on, on the hog talk, it's, I, I can't even tell you how many comments that I've seen on particularly on Facebook that we need to fire Kendall Browse and hire Gus Malzon as OC. If you truly believe that if you're delusional enough to believe that Gus Mal- first of all, Kendall Bryles is not going anywhere unless he chooses to leave here in the next month or so, which I don't see happening. But if you think that that Gus Malzahn is going to take a first of all take a step down 
to being a the way that he's going to look at it is he'll uh, as he's going to be offered if this were to hypothetically happen that he was offered to be a guy that was an offensive line coach basically 14 months ago his offensive coordinator after being head coach at a premier sec program like just the fact i mean it's i, I almost feel dumber that coming out of my mouth and me even saying that that some people actually believe that but you know it is what it is you can do you can believe what you want but that's not happening but the Razorbacks finished three and seven um, this year. As we uh, just to recap everything, they are going to go bowling because everybody is eligible for a bowl this year. And so uh, I'm definitely I'm I'm not about participation trophies, but in this particular instance, um, with what we've been given, I definitely think that any team that has made it through the season, just about everybody had some sort of COVID cancellation. But I think that everybody deserves a postseason, considering what they've endured and uh, what they've overcome. What more so? Well, you still got to win the game. It's not necessarily going to be a participation trophy because you still got to go win that bowl game. You know, it's not like. Hey, we're going to give you the runner. There's no runner-up trophies, you know, in yeah. the bowl game. So they still have to go. And a lot of people just forgot about that. I mean, I see mm-hmm. a lot of people. Well, we had a great season. We're three and seven. They don't forget. Hey, man, we could finish this with four wins and a bowl win. So you know, it, it's not over yet. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. And I and I definitely didn't need to intend to make light of it. I'm just saying, like you know, in a typical season, um, it's just yeah. kind of basically like any you know any team's getting in, and um, I. I'm all, I think that every team deserves that again, if especially now, you know, the, the whole big 10 thing with Ohio state and th- that all, that's a whole nother argument that we could talk. That's about a whole nother pod. Yeah. We could spit a whole pod right. on my thoughts on that. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think that we probably would see eye to eye, no question on that. But yeah. um, I, I, from what I saw from Otis Kirk, it looks like that we could possibly be going to Houston uh, to the Texas bowl, possibly to mm-hmm. maybe music city in Nashville if we go to Memphis, I will probably actually go to that. That's about three hours from where I live, so uh, I may go to that. I don't really care to make the drive to Houston or Nashville. That's a little bit too far. But either way, um, you know, it's we'll, we'll be talking more about uh, – the early signing day is coming up, so we'll be talking more football there. But, man, it's just, you know, ten games. We made it. We made it through almost – we got one more week of high school in Arkansas. We made it through the Razorback season. And hopefully, all Lord willing, that we will make it to – the bowl game and so uh just can't say how proud we are of how these guys have fought the way that that grant morgan stepped up and was a leader for this team not just a leader but an incredibly talented player of so many guys that you could say that about just all across this this whole entire team and and coaches well well, and and on grant morgan you know playing injured the way he was i mean his body was broken and still come out you know and that's the thing you know you look at the burlesworth award and this is not just because i'm biased you look at the heart that Brandon Burlesworth had and what he was able to do. Now, you, you right there, Grant Morgan has defied all these odds of being a walk-on and playing broken and still gave it his all every game, up to the last game where he, he couldn't go. He wanted to be out there, but they wouldn't let him. So, I mean, that right there shows just how much heart he has, and that's a big key to why he's even being considered for that award. Yeah, and he had he could have gone to Air Force. I believe he had most of the military academies uh, that were offering him. And UCA, I think, came in there right at the end. But he said no. Like I, I want to be. It's pretty much what Brandon what Brandon Burlesworth did. Brandon Burlesworth got offers from all the D two schools: Henderson State, Washtenaw Baptist, Arkansas Tech. And he said, no, I'm going to be a Razorback. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, that's that's what Sam Pittman says. Grant Morgan is Arkansas. Brandon Burlesworth is Arkansas. You look at all those guys that just have that mentality. Yes, there is talent that goes along with it. But 
out of high school, they didn't really get much attention for their talent, whether because they were too slow, too short, whatever the case it was. And so um, just, man, this is one season, not just because of COVID um, that, that will, that will always be etched. There's all, there's those seasons that just, you know, I can think back to when I really started keeping up with this team as a seven, eight year old kid and the Houston nut year, the, um, the 06 season, just because of what went on with that, you know, going last time we made it to the SEC championship, uh, 2008, Bobby Petrino's first year, 2014, the way that they came back and won, I think it was six of seven games after a, I think it was a two and four start, but either way, probably the best finish that we've ever had to a season um, that we talked about with Martrell Spate back in February about the, just how much they improved. And so, just an honor. This was my, as, as a podcaster, this was my third season uh, covering this Razorback team. And, and it was really cool just to finally see them win an SEC game. <laughs> we talked about it to the Mississippi state yeah. game that, that I had never, I don't think any of us had done a podcast where they had won an SEC game. And so that was just really cool to see this year. And so, we'll, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was just, yeah. Cause we, when we started, Chad Morris had been hired. So, I mean, we, we were here, through all that debacle. So, yeah, we, we didn't even witness one. Yeah, and my first season was uh, of Tex Hogs was Chad's first year too, and, and little did I know that uh, it was going to be a long two seasons under him. Well, I wanted to add on something. Like, you know, you're talking about the Gus Malzahn thing, and everybody's saying they need to – do they realize this guy brought Chad Morris into Auburn and look at what Auburn had become? <laughs> I mean, so you're really going to trust him with your offense. I mean, he – chose Chad Mo- and Chad Morris's turn a former Heisman contender into Nick Starkle in Arkansas. You know, it, it's just crazy how that programs went down fast too. Yeah. They beat, you know, Mississippi state last night in a pillow fight, but I mean, Gus ain't coming here. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, so this is actually before I knew you, but there was a big debacle in uh, 2017. That was this was right when I had just started doing content creation. I was not doing podcasting. But some people listening will actually remember this. The ones that were there from the beginning, but. I, uh, I, I blood bank. This is where the whole blood bank guarantee thing started. I guaranteed that Gus was going to come to Arkansas. I'll still take to my grave that it was in the works until Auburn countered with that seven year, $49 million. I will take that to my grave to the, till the day I die, uh, until Jimmy Sexton just did Jimmy Sexton things. So I, I did think he was coming. I, I 100% did. And I think really what happened and, uh, some, some will back me up on this. I, I definitely believe that he was coming and pretty much, at the very, very last second, uh, they Auburn gave him that contract, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because that was really the best option that they had had. He had just beaten Nick Saban. I think that was the second time he had beaten him in four seasons, which no coach yeah. had ever done. Gene Chizik beat him once. No coach had ever done that, I think, at an SEC. Kevin's the only – at that time, I want to say the only current active SEC coaches that had a victory over Saban were Kevin Sumlin and now Gus Malzahn that had had two. So Sumlin had one with Johnny Manziel in 2012. And then, of course, Gus in 13 and 17. And so they, it was a panic. It was, it was just a panic thing. Yeah. That's my take on it. Again, I can't confirm nor deny that that happened, but either way. Well, you nailed it because you think they were they are already in the works of this, like you said. All right. What happened the day before? They beat Alabama. Do you think they're really going to – I mean, that, that means everything to Auburn. You really think they're going to fire a coach because – he after he just got done beating Alabama. There's no way. So that's when the panic set in. They're like, there ain't no way, you know, Alabama's gonna 
get beat by Auburn. So they're getting all the contracts. They're getting ready. You know, after the game, they're probably going to do a thing like they done Coach Bielema. After the game, we're going to tell him he's, you know, we're going to move on. Then he turns around and beats Alabama, and they're like, oh, crap, what do we do? So then, you know, Jimmy Sexton comes in and says, well, oh, now you want him. We want more money. And that's what happened. Yeah, and I mean, it's – I was telling you guys in the in the group chat earlier, like I I really do think that that Auburn could possibly be just the toughest job in the entire country. And the reason why I say that is just because you look at and and you know, and you made a good point about Arkansas, just because Arkansas is the premier program, all eyes are on you. It's as we say, the professional team in the state, but having to keep up with Alabama year in and year out just is I can't imagine the pressure on that because you know, Auburn is not and you look at history and you look at the elite programs you like Alabama, Texas, USC. I wouldn't put Auburn in those same categories. I definitely think that they are one of the SEC's best all-time programs, but I, I just, you cannot put them on the Auburn fans think that you should put them on the level of Alabama. You just can't do that. It's what three national, I think it's three national championships to 16 or something like that, two or three. And so just that kind of pressure right there, Every single fan base is fickle, as we talked about so many times with the Razorbacks. But like you said, it's they they just can't stand him. They're ready to fire him. He beats Alabama. They give him that massive contract. He gets rocked in the Peach Bowl against uh, the the I guess national champions of that year, or at least the, as they would say, the UCF Knights. UCF. And then 2018 oh. has a little bit of a down year, at least by their standards. I think he went like eight and five or nine and five, something like that. And then in 2019, didn't wasn't it 2019? I think that they beat Alabama again. So yeah, they beat them last. Yeah, year. they beat you them. And so, yeah, they beat yeah. them last year because Alabama didn't even make the the playoffs last year because that was their second loss. Yeah, and so I mean, Gus did some good things. Now I I get it. It's he's frustrating because it's like you bring in Chad Morris, your offense gets worse. Bo Bo Nix regressed. I don't really think he was that good from the get go, anyways. Uh, but he definitely regressed from to from his freshman season. And so now here we are. You know, Gus Malzahn, the University of Auburn is going to be paying him twenty one point four million dollars, and he is done after a sixty eight and thirty five record, thirty nine and twenty seven in the SEC. Porter. Vanderbilt makes the most sense just from this very second that we're recording makes the most sense because I still think that he probably is a good enough coach to be to still be in the SEC I don't think he did a bad job I kind of feel like it's almost like a Kevin Sumlin situation at A&M except Gus actually made it to a national championship and took them further but I don't know do you think that he would take a Vanderbilt job do you think that he would take I know that Lovey Smith was let go from Illinois. He might not have a choice, but do you think his pride, he's a very arrogant guy, kind of somewhat low key to some people, but do you think that he would take the Vanderbilt or Illinois job? Oh, no. Uh, maybe Illinois, just to kind of get out of the SEC, but Vanderbilt, I think he would take a, he would take a coordinator job before he would take a, a Vanderbilt. That's just, that would be like, you're being punished. Now you have to go coach at Vanderbilt. You know, that that's the way I would see it. And just how his ego is, I don't see there any way he takes a Vanderbilt job. Now, like you said, with the Illinois job, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I feel like at a mid-major job, he'd be yeah. fine because he's not a bad coach. He's had, I mean, he's had yeah, a, he's not a bad successful coach. career. He's had a successful career. Now, the way that he got there, um, I know there's a lot of, I can, I can confirm that there is 
quite a few long time high school coaches in the state of Arkansas that are a little upset with the road that he took. But I mean, hey, you look at what he did at Springdale, what he did at Shiloh Christian, he dominated and then he had maybe the greatest team in the history of the state uh, in 2005 with that Mitch Mustaine and Damian Williams, Springdale and Ben Cleveland, that team. But um, I mean, ever since he, he's been in college for what, like 14 years now and was very successful offensive coordinator and he's got a winning record as a head coach. I mean, it's, you know, to think about what he's done in the SEC West, I think that for a, there was a little bit there the first two years under Jimbo, I know a lot of AM fans were questioning, like, man, did we really make the right decision firing Sumlin? Now I don't think they're questioning that so much with where AM is this year. Now that they're, as I said last week, they're playing like they're recruiting. But two, two early predictions, which it might be they might make a decision sooner than later, you got to think that Hugh Freeze is the favorite. He just signed that massive contract with Liberty, but I don't think that there's many people that are questioning whether or not that he would take this big of a job despite signing that contract. Yeah, and I mean, he might forego a buyout just to take an SEC job, and that could be in the contract. Hey, look, you know, we'll buy you out, but if you decide to go to an SEC school, there could be a clause in there. But yeah, I I think – you know, Hugh Freeze is really making his mark that he wants to come to the, back to the SEC. And I'm telling you what, you talking about another coach like that in the SEC to pester Nick Saban. I mean, you've got got Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, and then you're going to have Hugh Freeze. Well, and Hugh I Freeze mean, beat him twice in back to back years. Exactly. So you got all those guys there that are going to be back in the SEC. I mean, it's going to be an interest when we have SEC media days once again. <laughs> that's going to be one heck of a week. How wild would it be if it is Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze that eventually drive Nick Saban into retirement? Just generally that, speaking. Yeah. It would, I mean, that would just be a poetic yeah. ending, which there's been a lot of talks about Lane Kiffin coming in and his main goal to eventually beat Saban. He's got the offense. If there's any two coaches, well, I guess Gus has proven that too, but Freeze and, and Lane. I think Lane now has never done it, but I definitely think that if if he – if he does what he can do, he's going to have to get a better defense and not hire guys like DJ Durkin. But that's, again, that's another different story for another day. But I definitely think, I mean, he, he dang near came close to beating him this season uh, with, uh, with, with this current team that he has that Arkansas destroyed. So yeah, who knows, but, I, but it's, um, you know, here we are as I guess, as we reach the, the last week of the season uh, here before the SEC championship and there's three SEC openings, of course, as I mentioned, Vanderbilt, or I'm sorry, no, South Carolina got, I keep forgetting that Shane Beamer's at South Carolina. So we've had three firings. One has been filled. And then, so Vanderbilt and now Auburn is open to Auburn without question, the biggest job opening and, Texas is keeping Tom Herman, so we'll see. Uh, that's that's yeah. the biggest one, which I, I I kind of expected that. I thought they were going to probably give him one more year, but his seat will be. And how much of that do you season. think is because there's so many SEC jobs coming open now that they know that they're going to go to one of those SEC schools before they would come to Texas? I mean, is it kind of, hey, we're going to give this guy one more year because we don't know who's going to be available next year? Do you think that has it, anything to do with it? It very well could be, or they just, you know, not that Texas has any kind of issues financially, but it, it could be from that aspect. I I don't know. Maybe maybe he's got a solid plan. Uh, uh, what was it that, that Ed Orgeron brought into his interview with LSU, that really big binder of ideas? Maybe he took the uh, the binder of ideas into, uh, into a, a Zoom meeting. I don't know, but – I, I'm not shocked that he's getting one more year. I mean, definitely not not doing things. Um, he, he should be doing better at Texas, especially with the way that they ended 2018, 2019, 2020 have been very disappointing for them. But 
but uh, I, I'm not shocked that it's 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 almost like for him though. Would you rather get fired this year because your seat is going to be so hot next season? It's it's kind of a it's not really a uh, win win for me, but. We'll, uh, we'll be definitely covering the coaching carousel as it heats up. Of course, this is about the time of year. Usually by now, the coaching voids are getting filled. But right now, just with the season, with all the cancellations and things being pushed back, the late starts of the season, we'll be uh, having that go on um, a little bit later in the year. So we're up against a break. We're going to hit that really quick, and then we will get into some men's and women's Arkansas basketball, recap the games with UCA over the weekend, and touch on a little bit of high school football. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. 9336. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. We're back on episode number 148 of the Hog Talk podcast, and the men's and women's basketball teams continue their winning streaks. The men's, they uh, they beat UCA on Saturday night. I've got to find that score here, 100-75, to 75 and are now 6-0. and 0. UCA put up a, a pretty big fight, though. Porter, they've actually – I'll tell you, the I've told you guys before, the, the men's team um, when I was at UCA was probably the worst in the nation. They just – besides Scottie Pippen, they don't – have really any history whatsoever i mean it's just been a struggle big time but um it really seems like that this coaching staff that's on that's there now has got gotten them off to a pretty hot start yeah they're zero and four but they led memphis at halftime they kept they hung on with the razorbacks i mean i know that we busted it open right there kind of in the lat in the final eight to ten minutes but they were hanging with us during the entire game and i can't imagine the uh the wrath they probably felt at halftime from coach muss oh no doubt yeah um I mean, and if I'm not mistaken, UCA was up by 10 at one point in, in, in the first half. And I think Arkansas went on a run, and and they were up by like five or six at halftime. I mean, if it wasn't for that big, you know, finally, I guess they just wore them out and pulled away 100, you know, by 25 at the end. I mean, it was a lot closer game than the score. I mean, they, it just seemed like there was times where they were just getting outmanned inside, and they weren't taking good shots. And, yeah, they were passing the ball and good ball movement, but – I don't know. It's like they were really overlooking that game and didn't just – they didn't have that energy. And I think UCA come with that chip on their shoulder, really wanting something to prove. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of upsets this year when it comes to, you know, smaller schools. I mean, there was a, a Fort Hayes. They were a D2 school, ended up beating a D1 uh, – Kansas State. So, I mean, it's happened a lot. So, you know, UCA gets that upset bug in them and they come out hot. I mean, they, yeah, they played them really close. 
Yeah. And I mean, we saw, we've talked about, I mentioned, I think on the last couple of shows that I, I'm really excited about this team. There's all kinds of athleticism. They're going to be really, really deep, but the, the chemistry just concerns me. And coach Muss has talked about it or lack thereof. Um, just really, really concerns me. And, and that's no fault of their own. Nobody on the, not Anthony Ruta's fault. The guy that schedules games, none of the players, none of the coaches, it's just the, the cards that they've been dealt. Um, and it's, it's just, they, they aren't able to, I mean, really besides on the court and maybe some FaceTiming or Zooming, they're not really able to be together. Um, they, I mean, I guess maybe some of their, some of the roommates, like the guys that live together, I'm not really sure the exact process of how they're doing it, but even coach Muss has said that, that uh, they just aren't able to be around each other typically like his teams are at his house or just at w- wherever. And so you've got two more non-conference games. You've got Oral Roberts and you've got Abilene Christian both at home. And then you go to Auburn, you welcome in Missouri, and then you go to Tennessee. Those first three games, you know, at Auburn, first of all, I'm not, I haven't really watched them a lot this year, but Bruce Pearl, really solid coach. No, they lost Isaac Okoro. I think they lost a couple other guys as well. So they're probably not the team that they were last year. But either way, it's a road game. You haven't played on the road, especially against another SEC team. Then you, you bring in Missouri, who just beat Illinois on Saturday, number six Illinois. And then you go play Tennessee, who might be the best team, who probably is the best team in the SEC. I think they were actually picked to win it. Um, so at least at, in the early season, it's looking like, you know, it's really hard to tell right now. Teams are starting to fill each – they're still filling each other out, trying to get their lineups all together. But they've got a lot returning. I think that it is very – I'm not saying it's going to happen – but we need to prepare ourselves to possibly start the SEC season 0-3. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it is very, very likely that it could. And it's not the end of the world if that's the way that it happens. You take care of these two games, Oral Roberts and Abilene Christian, so you go undefeated, as you should, in the non-conference. You you go into conference play 8-0. They're going to win plenty of conference games. Um, I just I am scared just because of the first three that they do have, not necessarily because the first one is Auburn, but the fact that it is on the road. And then after Tennessee on January 9th on Saturday, that Saturday you welcome in Georgia. And I think that that one is definitely a winnable. No gimmies, that those don't exist. <laughs> after what we endured in the Chad Morris era of football, I definitely don't believe in those in really any any level of sports now, regardless of which one it is. But um, again, you know, I, I can't say enough. There's plenty to be excited about, but it could possibly be a rough start. I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but it's really not that far out. It could be a rough start to the SEC season. Yeah, especially with with just how physical these smaller schools have been able to be against them. I mean, because, you know, you know, Tennessee's known for being just having men on their squad and Auburn, they're no slouch. I mean, they're getting a really tough, you know, three game stretch. And yeah, I mean, I could see it happening, but it's all about how they persevere and how, how they jail and how they want to. And I think this team is talented, but they got to get that mental game going. I mean, they got to want to, you know, that's where the, they, the dogs come in. Well, and you're you seeing playing in SC. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just saying, ahead. like, Jalen Tate is, an, is another guy. We, we've known – we've seen Moses Moody step up already. We've seen Connor Vanover yep. step up. We've really seen Justin Smith come into his own, being that athletic freak that can make plays on both ends of the floor that we, we knew coming in from Indiana that he was a sports center top ten play waiting to happen. But Jalen Tate has really come into his own, and he, he – Definitely shot. I mean, he had 17 points. Or he was the uh, yeah. I was going to say the leading scorer. JD Note was the uh, was the actually the leading scorer. But you know, JD 
coming out. He had to sit out last year. Jalen Tate coming in from, uh, from, I believe it was Northern Kentucky from the Horizon League. These grad transfers, I know that Vance Jackson really hasn't got going yet, but um, I think the only grad transfer we had last year was Gene Tosilla. That didn't work out whatsoever. These guys that we brought in are really beginning to find their groove, and, and we see more and more step up with each week. But that just goes back to the chemistry is they just have to figure out, okay, like how what is he going to do whenever we call this play? And once they get all of that figured out, I, this, I really do think, I mean, I, I will say again, I think this is going to be at the end of the year, a top four SEC team, but it, I, I mean, I think, I, I, I think that we're probably going to lose at least two out of those three games that I mentioned. Um, I think that we could probably, you might be able to get Missouri and, and I don't, and I don't say that, that they're going to possibly start 0-3 just because of what's happened up to this season so far. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. If there's any sport that that's true, it's basketball and baseball. I'd probably say those would be at the top. But I certainly believe that it is a that it's even a stronger chance of going one and two to start the to start the conference. But hey, I'd rather go ahead and start there and then just continue off. I'm not saying that I want that to happen either, but. I don't think that a bad start would be bad for this team because they're going to need to get that humbling. They haven't lost yet. Um, they, they all, they're perfect. They're They're on the left side or they're on the left side of the column, which is obviously where you want to be. And so there's going to be, we, we, we said last year that there was going to be growing pains. We saw that mostly when Isaiah Joe wasn't on the floor when he was hurt and we're going to see it this year too. Yeah, and another one I think needs to step up, Jalen Williams, just because of the size. Right. You know, not saying he needs to come in and, and do double-double, but, you know, you're talking about being physical and getting out physical. I mean, he's a big guy, and he's that person you would need inside, say, Connor Vanover's on the bench or he's out on the perimeter guarding his man. I mean, you're going to need another big to come in and step up and, and be physical down low and, and get the ball down on the block and score some points, you know, because they have really kind of struggled at finishing at the rim. So you're going to need some guys to get your rebounds and, and really get in there and get the ball inside, do a penetrating pitch, and then pitch it out to the, you know, Moody out on the wing and get a three. But, yeah, he's going to be another one that's probably going to have to step up. And the women more than took care of business against the UCA Sugar Bears. Now, uh, UCA Sugar Bears had a very, very solid team. Sandra Rushing done just a great job this year. But I know she's won a couple of Southland Conference titles, always had them in the mix uh, when I was there. Just a phenomenal defensive mind, been at it a long time. And I, I got to give credit to, to the UCA, both men's and women's basketball teams. I know the the men's were they were talking about possibly playing a game Friday night and then playing one Saturday. So they were traveling up from Conway to Fayetteville, possibly to play two games within a 24-hour stretch. Brad Teague and, and Dr. Teague and, and his uh, staff, the athletic director at UCA, the job that they have done with football, they were one of 15 FCS teams out of 127 to uh, to actually play games this year. So the fact that he was able to basically get a full season for football, the way that they're doing things for basketball, just cannot say enough about their staff um, and, you know, just um, just what they did, the way that they're – they don't care. They're, they're, they got that anytime, anyplace mentality. And uh, I, I just can't say enough about how much I respect them for doing that. And, you know, the girls, uh, the Sugar Bears took a, a pretty big beating from – from our girls, I think what was it, Porter? It was like forty-two to fifteen at half or something. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was, was pretty ugly. Uh, now UCA 12 yeah, fifty-four twelve, and UCA well, did come out fighting. Oh, for thirteen for the game. Yeah, yeah, well, they didn't stop fighting. I mean, they started off over thirteen. So I mean, yeah. the shots were just not falling. 
Yeah, and that's what has been working for the Ladybacks all season. I mean, it seems like every single game you've got at least three girls in, in double figures. And and we talk about every week just the impact that Destiny Slocum has had. I mean, I really think that this this could possibly be the best backcourt in the nation. And I'm a little hesitant to say it's the best right now because we haven't gotten into conference play and all that. But, you know, I mean, they beat the number four team in the country. They're extremely deep. We already knew what Chelsea could do. We already knew what Amber could do. We knew what Destiny could do, just not in a Razorback uniform, and she has seemed to just fit extremely well. She can drive the paint. She can hit the mid-range jumpers. And, you know, like it was really cool to see, too, that, uh, you know, they've been able to get a lot, a lot of their players plenty of minutes just because of the, uh, the, t- the teams that they've been playing. They've pretty much been superior to just about every team except for, I guess, Maryland, really, the only team that they've lost to. But they, they got a lot of minutes for freshman Riley Langerman today with Marquisha Davis being out. Typically, Coach Coach Neighbors goes with Aaron Barnum and Jalen Mason as the first ones off the bench, and Marquisha Davis is another one that gets in the mix. But with her being out, Riley Langerman saw a lot of time, so it's awesome to see those true freshmen get plenty of minutes. But but Coach said in the postgame presser that they had probably the worst day of practice that they had the Friday before, just a lack of focus. Mm. He probably he attributes that to – and, Porter, that's something I, I guess I didn't mention to you before we were started recording – but said there was a lack of focus, uh, just, you know, probably thinking about finals. And it's that time of year. It's very, it's very common for basketball teams during, and rightfully so, during Christmas break and the finals to just kind of – you're out of your typical, uh, your typical routine and it's just easy to, uh, to lose track of things. But he was very proud of the way that they came out. I mean, for, for having a bad day of practice, they, they sure didn't show it because they came out lights out. So just uh, as we get closer to the end of the year, we're what – I guess two weeks before we begin 2021, just uh, Razorback fans have so much college football fans, just sports fans in general have so much to be thankful for that. We got baseball season that we got football that we got basketball, but the Razorbacks have had a lot of good product in so many different sports. Yeah, we went three and seven in football, but we know how much we've improved. The soccer team won another division championship. And Porter, you might have to help me out with some of these that I missed. I know track and field and and uh, and also cross country did a lot of great things. The women's basketball team's already done what they've done. The men's basketball. Razorback fans have a lot to be grateful for oh, yeah. this second half. Yeah, you of the got the soccer team. I, I think we looked it up. There's like only one or two programs that wasn't ranked. You know, you, you've got the soccer team, which we had Colby Hill on, the track and field, the golf. And see, the track and field has cross country, and then they had spring. You know, the women's golf team finished fifth, and then they got the number one golfer in the nation right now. You know, uh, the volleyball team finished. They come out and went 6-2 and two in their fall season, and now they're ranked. I mean, there's so many, like you've said, there's so many sports. Men's golf, I mean, they got a good baller there, men's golf, and then just – baseball all the big four you know and i told y'all before the season all we need to do is get the football team to where there's six seven eight wins a year to get up and get the get the fan base going this program as a whole is going to be one of the best programs in the nation yeah and that's i mean i'm looking forward uh, as we get into baseball too you know we didn't get off to a really good start there but um you know i think what were we we played 16 games, and I think we were just over 500. I mean, we definitely struggled a lot. You'd had a really tough weekend in Houston playing Baylor and OU and Texas and then lost to a couple teams we weren't supposed to to lose to. But 
man, I mean, we always look forward to baseball season. Uh, I, I haven't talked to Coach Sims. The high, you know, we had the hockey coach Keller Sims on uh, a couple of months ago, and I haven't asked him about what their seasons were uh, looking like. Or obviously, not going to have very many fans, if any at all. But um, that's something that we're going to try to start pushing a lot more too. Is is the Razorback hockey team? They've made. They're mm-hmm. not. They're still not recognized by the NCAA, but they did take a yeah. move up in where they're at now. And so, uh, you know, it's just it's truly been an honor just to be able to to cover as much as we have and just some of the relationships that we've been able to form with coaches, you know, with Coach Diefel from the softball team. Porter, you recently talked with Coach Hill. Yeah. We've had Coach Neighbors on a lot of different times. Um, I mean, it's just uh, it's just been a truly a blessing for all of us, and we talk about it all the time. But it just means so much more uh, this year, considering exactly. with all that we've gone through. And so, um, well, we'll have we'll have Coach Weaver up coming in the first week of January. You know, and that's another thing. You know, these these seasons that are going to be coming up. You know, the gymnastics is about to kick off, so we're going to have Coach Weaver on to you know go over and just a preview of the squad and what her expectations and how everything's been going through all the changes. So be looking forward to that the first week in january and is gymnastics typically in the it's a fall sport usually or is it a spring yeah it's around no it's fall it's because i remember last year they were going i was man it was i was at the basketball game and then had to do they were having meets on fridays and then the women's basketball games were on sundays so I, I was trying to get up for some of them but they done the meets on friday so i had a women's basketball game on thursday their game their meets were on fridays and then I was trying to be back up there Sunday. So yeah, it's it's technically or typically a, a fall, but a lot of them are. A lot of these uh, seasons are they're doing split, like the, the soccer and the volleyball did split seasons. They done half in the fall and in the spring because like um, soccer, they done their SEC slate in the fall. But now when they come back in the spring, they're going to do like a non-conference schedule and then go into the NCAA tournament. So. It's not going to be – there's going to be no conference games in the spring, but they've had to kind of flip-flop their season. Oh, man, that's just – that's just another thing, too, is the the adjustments that have had to be made. This is so yeah. out of the norm, and uh, but, you know, it just shows how much all these kids want to play and these coaches and, and the athletic administrations that are doing all they can. So just cannot celebrate and celebrate and, and tell them how much we appreciate that enough. And so – we will go into a high school update real quick and we'll close it out. So just a quick recap. Uh, so we got one more week left of Arkansas high school football. The first game from this past Saturday, the class 5A state title, Pulaski Academy wins their second straight, third and four years, and I think it's their ninth all-time. This was the 12th or 13th yes. appearance for Coach Kelly at Pulaski Academy, beating Little Rock Christian 64-27. to that night, so Saturday night, Fordyce takes care of Desark, thirty-five to thirty-two, and I, I got to give uh, some credits to to Desark in this game. I'll tell you, they were completely just they, at every position. Fordyce was bigger, faster, stronger, and it was looking like Fordyce was going to pull away there for a bit. I think it got to about a two touchdown game, and Desark started to come back, but you know they missed on a couple of two point conversions and just some special teams miscues uh for them they had to they, they were onside kicking it for uh most of the game just because they didn't want to kick to jacques cross the purdue commit that ended up having i thought it was around like 240 something rushing yards i can't remember the exact stats but uh they, they didn't want to kick to him because they knew that he was probably going to take it to the house and so 
they just had to do a bunch of different things that they're not used to doing, but still nonetheless were right there and just lost the game for, within uh, three points. And their quarterback, Luke Morton, one of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen. He's been, he's been playing with a dislocated elbow. We saw what Grant Morgan had, like that little Don – it looked like a Don Joy knee brace that he had on his elbow all season. That's pretty much what Luke had, except he, had, he literally had his arm taped. According to what B.J. Mm. Pascal, the head coach from – what he said in the postgame – Three weeks ago, I think, is when he injured it against Bigelow, I think was the team. The doctors told him, hey, if you can take the pain, then you can play. And so he said, if I can't hurt it anymore, I'm going to play. And that's just the grit that you just love to see, especially in that uh, – that's one of the many reasons I love small-town football. It's just people, you know, they shut down the towns, and you got just these, these gritty kids that just are tough as nails, and that's exactly what we saw – and I'm not saying that they're not in other classes. I'm just saying, you know, that's the kind of one of the reputations that you see with small town football, uh, whether it be 2A, 3A. And, and speaking of 3A, we got a uh, state championship that night or on, on Saturday night at 640 is the kickoff. McGee versus Hardy Academy. McGee won a very sloppy game on a muddy field against Hoxie 20 to 18 Friday night. And Harding Academy beats Glen Rose 35 to 7. Harding Academy going for their second straight state championship. And then in the class 4A, which will be the 12 10 game, Shiloh Christian takes care of Stuttgart 56 to 7. I think they Whew. scored, yeah, they scored like 50. That was a, ha- that was a halftime yeah, score. <laughs> that was a halftime score. I, I thought yeah, getting oh beat by, gosh. yeah, I, I thought getting beat by Warren my junior year 42 to nothing at half was bad. Uh, that, that was mm. even worse. And Rivercrest beats Warren 55 to 35. Really a lot of credit to Coach Bo Hembry of Warren. Started off 0 and 3 and then got to this point and uh, was, I think actually they were winning 35 to 34. And then Cam Turner just did Cam Turner things. The most slept on player in the state, the quarterback for Rivercrest, without question, the most slept on player in the state. Just hardly anybody talks about him. I don't know if it's because of where he is in the, literally the middle of a, a um, of, I think it's a rice field in Wilson, Arkansas. It's just a bunch of farmland and the school and a pretty nice school at that yeah. with some pretty good facilities. So Rivercrest will take on Shiloh Christian at 1210 at two. Uh, that'll be the first game. And like I said, McGee Harding Academy will be the second game completing the 2020 high school season. So I'll be there with, with Rocktown sports uh, covering both of those games. And so just a, um, just a, it's, it's exciting. This was my first year. Uh, covering high school sports so it was really an honor to to be able to interact with the coaches and the players like we did and got a lot of cool pictures out of it too jay is uh jay's one of the, the best in the business of in terms of photography and got a really cool uh snapshot reporter i know you've seen it of Corey yeah little rock christian snagging <clears throat> that one-handed grab we're hoping to see that on um on monday night football with randy moss as you got moss we'll see if we get to that but I think that will do it, man. That was a loaded show. And um, we'll yeah. be back, of course, Friday. We're pushing. We're two two away from 150. It seems just like yesterday we were doing the, oh my the 100 episode, man. But we're, uh, exactly. we're on to 150. And I guess that'll be kind of our end of the year show because around that time, that'll be, I guess, that's going to be Christmas weekend or pretty close to it. So yep. close out the year with that. And, uh, man, it's just got some big things coming, you know, for 2021. We've been doing a lot of talking, a lot of planning. Like like Porter said, one of the uh, beginning of January, we're going to have gymnastics coach Jordan Weber on and uh, just looking forward to another great year. It's been a tough 2020 and probably going to experience plenty of trials in the beginning of 2021. But you know what? We've made it this far and uh, we're, exactly. we're going to we're going to make it. That, that's the way that's the way that you got to think about it. And so. 
Well, that will do it for episode number 148, guys. As always, thank you for listening again. If you haven't subscribed, please be sure to do so. Don't miss anything. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at the Hog Talk, Arkansas Hog Talk on Facebook. Other than that, for Porter Hayes, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.